Praise the Lord. We do, we're getting ready for Harvest Fest at the end of the month. I know they have canceled the breakfast on October 14th, but there is a memorial service for Sister Blanche Jackson. And um, I know um, the, the slide may say from three to five, but we're going to kind of try to shoot for one to three or four. It depends on the weather. It depends on, you know, if a storm front is moving through at one, we'll bump it down to three to five. Uh, we're not having service that night, and so it's kind of uh, up in the air. But if you're able to either quickly go home, change clothes, or if you, we'll let you know more about it. So um, as we get closer to for Harvest Fest. Anyway, so don't forget that I do think the memorial service for Sister Blanche is at 11, I believe. Is that right, Sister Bitt? Um, anyway, um, 11 o'clock. So a uh, lot, lot to remember. Thank you for being there and being involved. And I, um, I have been looking at, um, obviously, um, the... Um, just looking through the word of the Lord and a familiar book, <clears throat> the book of, of uh, John. I, I know we are growing apostolic legacy and I was looking at the gospel of John and I, I don't know that I will tell you anything that you didn't know tonight, but I wanted to... Um, there's so much you could study about the Gospel of John. You could spend literally weeks and months, and I'm sure there are hundreds, if not thousands, of volumes written about the Gospel of John. And it is a, a powerful book, and, and what you have to remember is it was written to it was written to Jews to talk about the use of the I am phrase that phrase that the Jews recognized were was the the phrase that was God meant God I am uh, means God that's what Abraham said in you know when he said who shall I uh, I mean, Moses, rather, said, who shall I tell them has sent me? Moses, when he was talking to the burning bush, and the, the voice was, tell them, I am hath sent you. And so John uses that phrase in several miracles, and he talks a lot about it. And I, I don't want <clears throat> to overwhelm you with um, a, a lot of uh, facts and details, but... Uh, at the time of Jesus, at the time that John wrote, um, there were uh, there were some different groups of people. There were uh, Samaritans, there were Galileans, and there were Jews or people from Judah. And there were <clears throat> uh, John will use some of those words interchangeably. And when you read it in the Greek, there sometimes he will use one specific group and not another. And, and uh, we know that 
there's a lot of history involved in all of that. But um, familiar chapter, first chapter, I thought I would just plow into it for a little bit and probably, uh, again, not anything that you haven't maybe studied or read or know about, but I, I did feel like it was worthy of us, um, again, sort of looking at and recognizing what was going on. John quoted or referenced, if you will, explained some Old Testament references, especially in the book of Ezekiel and in Daniel in his gospel. And I, there were numerous of these and I didn't want to give them all, but uh, a familiar one is in Ezekiel, the 37th chapter, when the... Uh, um, and you probably are not as familiar with these verses, so I, I printed them off. Uh, there are some that you will be familiar with, but when the Lord spoke to um, the prophet Ezekiel, and he said these words, it's a, and it's an interesting text. He said, Moreover, thou son of man, take thee one stick and write on it for Judah, which were the Jews. And for the children of Israel and his companions, take the other stick and write on it for Joseph, the stick of Ephraim, for all the house of Israel and his companions. And that would have been uh, some of those that were not from Benjamin or Judah and from uh, the Galileans, uh, <coughs> etc. And join them one to another into one stick, and they shall become one in thy hand. Now, how would you join two sticks together? You know, uh, you could either wrap them up, uh, tie them, or uh, kind of uh, tie them in the shape of a cross. And he said, when the children of Israel, uh, the children of thy people shall speak unto thee, saying, wilt thou not show us what does it mean? What meaneth these things? Um, and he goes on to say, say to them, thus saith the Lord, um, <clears throat> that um, uh, saith the Lord God, behold, I will take the stick of Joseph, which is in the hand of Ephraim, and the tribes of Israel, his fellows, which would have been the northern tribes, if you will, and will put them with him, even the stick of Judah, and make them, what? One stick, they shall be in thy hand. Now, where that goes back historically was the tribe split under uh, Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, and the northern tribes went up, began, fell into idol worship, and you had uh, uh, Jeroboam, and you had Rehoboam in the south, and Jeroboam set up idols, and so from then on they were split. Now at times they would join together to fight, but they were basically two different kingdoms. And uh, the Assyrians first came down and conquered the northern ten tribes, and then the Babylonians came and conquered the southern two tribes. And so from then on, they were split. And some people say, well, uh, they were forever split, and there's no uh, bringing them back. But Ezekiel prophesied they were going to come together, and one stick and then the other stick. And 
The sticks which you write on shall be in thy hand before their eyes. And say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will take the children of Israel from among the heathen, whether they be gone, and will gather them on every side and bring them into their own land. And I will make them, what? One nation in the land upon the mountains of Israel. And one king shall be king to them all. They shall no longer be two nations, neither shall they be divided into two kingdoms anymore at all. Neither shall they um, uh, defile themselves anymore with their idols, nor with their detestable things, nor with any of their transgression. I will save them out of all their dwelling places wherein they have sinned and will cleanse them. So shall they be my people and I will be their God. Now, the Jews believe that that has happened in the nation of Israel. We, of course, believe that Jesus became that one king that fulfilled that spiritually. And, and what, if you read the next verse, which is the 24th verse, Ezekiel says, and David, my servant, shall be king over them, and they shall have, what? One shepherd. They shall also walk in my judgments and observe my statutes and do them. Now, how did Jesus refer to himself? When he said, other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. And he said, them also must I bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. So he was speaking about bringing everybody together the Jew, the Ezekiel, when he prophesied, was thinking that referenced just simply the 10 northern tribes and the two southern tribes. Now, you don't need to know this, but years ago there were, there were people that um, really felt strongly that in, in a doctrine called British Israel, and they believed that the 10 northern tribes went up and that England and all these nations were really basically go back. And when we were traveled to Ireland, my wife and I, Northern Ireland, we went to uh, Cary Fergus Castle and they just talk that this castle was built where the prophet Jeremiah landed with the two daughters of Zedekiah and, and uh, blah, 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 blah. They, I mean, they believe that that happened that in Northern Ireland and they believe they're descendants. And that's why if the, the old crown, the old throne that King Charles was just coronated on is an old wooden bench. And underneath that throne is a white stone. It's uh, rectangular. I've seen the, the 
chair. I've seen the stone. Uh, they wouldn't let you touch it, but uh, you, they, I, they had it in, in the Tower of London, and you could see it. And th that stone was supposedly the stone that Abraham sacrificed Isaac upon and was about to, and the angel came down. And if you look at uh, some of the flags, uh, like the Northern Irish flag, the flag of uh, the state called Ulster. There's a, a, a Star of David, Red Star of David with a hand. If you want to Google it, you can put the red hand of, Ul of Ulster, uh, U-L-S-T-E-R. You'll see the flag, and it goes back to uh, folklore of two, a king promised the land to two of his sons, whichever could make it there first and put his hand on the beach and sent him out, and one saw the other one was winning, and so he cut off his hand and threw his own hand on the beach to beat his brother uh, just so that he could land there first, and that's uh, the tradition behind it. Don't know if any of that's true, just telling you, but they believe they were of Jewish descent. They believe they are Jews. And uh, there are churches there that um, <clears throat> trace the lineage down, believe that they are Jews. Now, when I was there and I ministered for several weeks, many years ago, my wife and I and, and preached in many of their churches. And one of the things that I used and referenced was wait a minute, there's this bringing together that under one king. And so it doesn't matter whether you're Jewish or you're not Jewish or you're of those tribes or you're not. We all have to serve one king. And anyway, the, the point of that is um, Ezekiel, the 34th chapter, which is a few chapters before, you can read that entire chapter. I didn't print it. Some of you may Remember the reference in Ezekiel. It's about evil shepherds and, and, and how all that they do, evil shepherds. And yet Jesus referred to himself in John as, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. So in Ezekiel, the 47th chapter, you remember the story of the water that flowed uh, out of the uh, house and it was ankle deep and knee deep or thigh deep and then waist deep and then water to swim. Anybody remember that reference? few of you? Well, guess what? That was that out of this tabernacle or out of the temple, out of the house, uh, would, would, this would flow. And we all know what Jesus said in John the 37th chapter, the 7th chapter, 37, 38, 39th verses, because it's part of the hallmark of our understanding of the Holy Ghost when he said in that last day the great day of the feast there was a feast of the of the, uh, of the washing the succoth and, and that, that that feast he was saying he stood and said if any man thirst let him come unto me and drink and he that believeth on me as the scripture has said out of his belly shall flow what? What was he talking about? 39th verse tells us, this spake he of the Spirit. 
which they that believe on him should receive for the Holy Ghost was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. And Ezekiel 47 referenced that. If you go back to the 37th chapter, the first part of that chapter we all remember. And I didn't put all of those verses because it's the story of the valley of dry bones. That was before he talks about the joining of the sticks. May I remember that story? Where he brings me to this place and all these bones. And he asked him a question, can these bones live? And he said, Lord, you know. And so he prophesies and they start coming together. Remember? Well, if you read through those verses, 1 through 14, there is a, he gets them all up, gets them with skin, gets them with sinews and muscles, and he gets them full and standing up. And yet they are, they look alive, but they are yet what? Not breathing. They are dead. And that's a, a powerful point because when we talk about burying somebody in Jesus' name and they go down and they're brought up and they're buried, dead and buried, until the wind, the Holy Ghost, the breath of God, because that's what happened to Ezekiel. And so the word came to Ezekiel, prophesy unto the what did he say? Prophesy unto the wind. Thus saith the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, breathe on these slain that they may live. And I shall put my spirit in you and you shall live. Now that's Old Testament. New Testament, John 16th chapter, he talks about I must go away because if I don't go away, the comforter cannot come Earlier he said, the comforter, which is the spirit, will not come into you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. One of his last things that he did in the book of John was he called his disciples together and breathed on them and said what? Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Now, as I said, there would be a lot more Daniel it was a lot of what Daniel saw in night visions. There was one like the Son of Man coming in the clouds, the Ancient of Days. And there was given unto him dominion and glory and kingdom and all people, nations, language. And, and Daniel was saying, everybody should serve him. And his dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away in his kingdom which shall not be destroyed. And when Jesus said all power in heaven and earth is given unto me, he was fulfilling these prophecies and what John was writing, the Jews realized, wow, he's showing us how that Jesus is, in fact, the Son of God. Now, what, what does that mean? Well, John's gospel has two main parts, although it didn't have chapters in the original version, but there was the part, chapters 1 through 12, which really cover the first three years of his ministry, and then chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, actually are just the last few days of Jesus. 
over half or about half of John's gospel when you put it out in verses uh, are all about his passion. The seven miracles that Jesus, that John talks about all were written to show Jesus' divine power and authority. Now, the Jewish Bible starts what? In Genesis 1, 1 through 3. What does it say? Some of y'all remember. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void and was upon the face of the deep. And the moved on the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. That's the first three verses. So how does John start his gospel? In the beginning was the word, the word, the logos, the Greek word, the logos, the word, and the word was with God. And then the important phrase, and the word. Now you say, how is it the word was God? And I've, I've read authors that try to say, John didn't mean they were one and the same. He's talking about, you know, if I'm here and all. But I'm going to show you what the Jews believed about that. And it says, the same was in the beginning with God. And then he goes into it very candidly. All things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life and the Life was the light of men, and the light shined in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. If you go back to Genesis, it's an interesting phrase. When they sin, Adam and Eve... The third chapter in the eighth verse, what, is the, what does Genesis say? And they heard the... They heard God and his voice. What does it say? They heard the voice of God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And so people say, well, how could that voice walk? If you, if you go forward and you read the 19th chapter, there's another verse that talks about the, by the voice of God, he uh, shook the heavens and so forth. And yet John is, is equating that voice with the presence of God. And we know that when, you know, a child is born, they... They start having a voice. They talk back until, you know, they hear what's going on. But uh, here it was. The voice was in the cool of the garden, if you will. John, go on in the first chapter of John, the sixth verse. Uh, if you keep reading, John 1, verse 6. And it said, there was a man sent from God whose name was whom? John. 
And uh, this is not talking about the author of the book, but it's talking about John the Baptist. And he says, and he came for a witness to bear witness. Now, what is the phrase in the Greek to bear witness? If you were to click on it, blue letter Bible, it means to testify. If you are bearing witness, you are testifying of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not the light, remember? The light shone in darkness at the beginning of creation. John in his gospel said that John the Baptist was not the light, but was sent to testify of that light, to bear witness. I mean, if I were to tell you, you know, um, I witnessed a crime, I would have to talk about it. I would have to tell someone, right? He said there was, that was the true light which lights every man that comes into the world. He was in the world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not. Now later in this first chapter, John is going to refer to Isaiah, what Mark referred to, and we'll get to it, where Isaiah, the 40th chapter, the voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. The voice of him. Listen to how word, word, testify, testify, voice. And people say, well, why do you have to speak in tongues when you get the Holy Ghost? Word, word. Testify, voice. And he uses the phrase, he came into his own, and his own received him not. Who would have been his own? The Jews. And as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the, everybody say, sons of God even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Then the powerful verse that we all love, verse 14, and the word was made flesh and dwelt, everybody say dwelt, if you look at that Greek word, it means tabernacled. And the word was made flesh and tabernacled among us. Wow. We know what the tabernacle meant to the Jews. And they had a temple that had been destroyed and they had a place there, but it wasn't the same, as beautiful as the other. And, but what he was saying is the word tabernacled. And we know, we, Brother Gaston, years ago, and he refreshed it a few months ago, several months ago, a tabernacle plan. It's in our 
room, you can look at it and how that important that was. And I talked about a three-room house and the front room and the middle room and the third room, the third level, moving into the presence of God. And, and yet he says the word tabernacled among us and we beheld his glory as the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness have all we received, and grace for grace. Powerful verse. A verse that I've heard used incorrectly numerous times is verse 17. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. If you have an old King James Version that italicizes words that are added, there is a word that will be added into that sentence. It's a three-letter word, and it's B-U-T. If you were to read it in the original Greek, it reads like this. For the law was given by Moses, grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And the reason I say that it's misused or misunderstood and, and probably misquoted is because people will often go, we're not under law, but we're under grace. And the opposite of the law is not grace. The opposite of the law is lawlessness. The opposite of grace is disgrace. You understand? So when you think about it, it is not, it's like saying, Bishop brought his briefcase, John brought his Bible. It was no but, it doesn't mean that if he has his briefcase, John, now you have to decide, do you want grace or do you want the law? Now, I, we'll, we'll talk about some of those verses in Romans and Galatians and some of that later that Paul describes. But basically, if you keep, if you understand the importance of the tabernacle, John, the fourth chapter, he said, Whosoever drinketh the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, just like the seventh chapter, because it'll be in him a well of living water springing up into everlasting life. In Revelation, the seventh chapter, the fountains of living water. Revelation, the 21st chapter, the beginning and the end, and I will give him that is a thirst of the fountain of life of freely. Revelation 22, a pure river of life proceeding out of the throne of God and out of the Lamb. And the last, uh, one of the last verses in the Bible, the spirit and bride say, come, let him that heareth come, let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take of the water of life. And here's where I put the opposite of law is lawlessness. The opposite of grace is disgrace. And yet if you look back and remember, he talked about 
this water that was going to flow out of the tabernacle and that was going to come through Jesus Christ. Now, verse 18 of John, the first chapter, says, No man has seen God at any time, only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father. And what is it, phrase does it use? He hath, what? Declared him. What does that mean? If you declare something, do you speak it? A declaration? He said, he hath declared him. If you go back, to Psalms, the second chapter. Who was called the Son of God? David, the king, was called the Son of God. Psalm, second chapter. You have put my king upon the holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree, saith the Lord, thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And we know that was prophetic about coming of Jesus. Ask of me and I'll give the heathen for thine inheritance and the uttermost part of the earth for thy possession. And so he was basically saying the next king will conquer everything. The other person that was called the son of God was when you read in Luke the third chapter when it's going through the genealogies which were from Methuselah on down Melchizedek and whatever on through. It says the son of Enos, which was the son of Seth, which was the son of Adam, which is the son of God. And who did Paul wrote and said that the second Adam was whom? Jesus. So then John in this first chapter, and it's a long chapter, and I know hit a lot of points, and I know you're familiar with a lot of them. But John records the interaction between the leaders of the religious orders of the time, priests, Levites, and even Pharisees, that came to Jerusalem, and what did they ask John the Baptist? Who are you? John was building up followers, was baptizing them under repentance. And they said, who are you? And what does it say? He confessed and denied not, but he says, I am not the Christ. And they said, well, who are you then? Elias? Elijah? And John said, I am not. Are you that prophet? What prophet was he talking about? And he answered, no. We'll read the verse. It goes back to Deuteronomy 18. And here's when John said, I am the voice of one 
crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as saith the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah. And they which were sent were of the Pharisees. And they asked him, why do you baptize if you're not Christ and you're not Elijah, neither that prophet? And John said unto them, I baptize with water, but there's one standing among you you know not. He that's coming after me is preferred before me. I'm not worthy to unloose his shoes. And these things were done in Bethbara, beyond Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day, Jesus, John sees Jesus coming to him and he makes this proclamation, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Now that phrase, the Lamb of God, goes all the way back to the Passover, the Lamb in Exodus the 12th chapter and Numbers the 19th chapter. John said, this is the guy that's going to take away the sin of the world. And he confesses, this is he of whom I said, after me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before him, me. And John says, I didn't know him, I knew him not but that he should be manifest to Israel. Therefore, I can come baptizing with water. And John said, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. Now, why is that important? Because 2,000 years before the baptism of Jesus, Noah was in a boat and he opened the window and let a raven go, and then he let a dove go. And the dove came back, and he knew the curse, the judgment was over. So when the dove came, we have a dove underneath that sign. When the dove came, it was symbolic that this is the guy that's going to stop the judgment. The lamb of the slain from the foundation of the world. And so John says in verse 33, I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizes with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. The next day, John stood and two of his disciples looking at Jesus walked. He said again that phrase, Behold the Lamb of God, twice. Now why were the Pharisees and all these religious people challenging and questioning John about who he was? And I put here Deuteronomy 18, 18 where Old Testament says, I will raise up a prophet from among your brethren and he, I'll put my words in his mouth and he shall speak them. So when they ask, are you that prophet? He said, no. Be the reason that was so important because when you read in John the ninth chapter and in John the 12th chapter, the Pharisees had the power 
to keep you out of the synagogue. You remember the man that was healed? And they went to him and they said, who healed you? And the Bible says he didn't want to tell them because he didn't want to get thrown out of church. The Pharisees, the religious leaders, had a lot of power. And you read on, if you read in John the 11th chapter, <clears throat> then gathered the chief priests and Pharisees a council, and they said, what do we for this man doeth many miracles? They didn't want to cross up with Jesus. And they said, if we let him alone, what's, what's going to happen? All men will believe on him. And the Romans, this was the crux of why the early Jews would not accept Jesus. was afraid. They said, the Romans shall come and take away our place and our... Because for them, if he was the Messiah, he was going to come into power and the Romans would be afraid of him just like they were. So it was... I don't, we don't want to lose our nation by following a guy that's not really the Messiah. And guess what? John said, this is the guy that's come to save your nation. He's come to put these two sticks together. He's come to bring about a change. And so when you read, he says, and one of them named Caiaphas, being the high priest that same year, said unto him, you know nothing at all. Listen to his prophecy. For consider it that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people and that the whole nation Perish not. Listen to how they all played into the hand of what the Lord was trying to do. Caiaphas said, it's better to kill one man than to let their whole nation perish. And what was the Lord doing? Saying one man's blood is going to save this whole nation. And he says, and this spake he not of himself, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus should die for that nation. Isn't that unbelievable? And not for that nation only, but that also he should gather together in one the children of God that were spread abroad. And from that day forth, they took counsel together for to put him to death. What are you saying? I, I am saying God's plan was 
minutely <laughs> planned out. They walked right into it, and John begins to show the early church, the early Jews, how God's word came to pass. The Jews came <clears throat> about him, and they said, how long? They came to Jesus, and they go, how long will you make us doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. They knew who he was. They knew that people were believing on him. They knew he was fulfilling prophecy. And Jesus answered them, I told you, and you believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me, but you believe not because you are not of my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I will give them eternal life and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father <coughs> which gave them me is greater than all and no one's able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are And the Jews said, we believe. What'd they say? Let's stone him. They took up stones. The last part of, goes into Philip and good story, and, but the last part of this first chapter, and believe it or not, we've only looked at the first chapter, was someone tells Nathaniel, hey, there's this guy, he's the Christ, and Nathaniel says, I don't believe it, where's he from? And he says, Nazareth, and Nathaniel's word was, ah, any good come out of Nazareth? Because he knew that there were no prophecies concerning this small town, Nazareth, where he would have been considered from. And when Jesus saw him, he said, Behold, an Israelite in whom is no guile. And Nathanael said, How do you know me? Jesus said, Before Philip called thee, I saw you under a fig tree. And Nathanael immediately said, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, the King of Israel. Notice how everybody is testifying about Jesus, the Word. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Because I say unto thee, I saw you under a fig tree, you believe me, you'll see greater things than this. And then he says something that, of course, the Jews knew the story because it happens in Genesis, the 28th chapter. But he says, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, hereafter you'll see heaven open, the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. And who... Where did that happen? In Genesis 28 was with Jacob when he was laying on a rock fleeing from his brother Esau. And what did Jacob call the place? Bethel or Bethel. And he said, for truly this is the house of the Lord. And what Jesus was basically telling Nathaniel is, I am the house of the Lord. Out of me is going to flow rivers of water. You're, you can have, I'm going. And John is hammering one example after another 
proving who Jesus is. Who Jesus, he is proving. Let me tell you, you go back to Ezekiel, you go back to Daniel, you go back to the prophets, you go back what Nathaniel saw, uh, you know, and, and what he heard, and he's going through this. And that's just the first chapter. When you begin to look at the times, John begins to repeatedly talk about, and you say, well, you know, the word tabernacled, the word became flesh. And the, and the Bible in another place says, no man has seen God at any time. Well, how do we see him? Because it, it encapsulated the word was the breath of God that was breathed in. So great book. I know you're familiar with it, but um, I, I was just looking at it again, and it was just the more I look at it, it the more exciting it is. And I I, I don't want to spend 21 weeks on it. I hope we can go faster or skip to something else. But it's exciting to read how John, the first chapter, has so many links back in the Old Testament. Oh, hallelujah. Let's stand. I, I, the more I study this, the more I read it, the more I'm glad I know who he is. He's not the second or the third or the fifth. He is the Word became flesh. This is what it is to believe in truth. You say, well, I don't know if I believe all that. Man, here it's full, John. And, you, and the thing I want you to remember, and I often tell this on my Monday night class, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Romans, Corinthians, all the way through Revelation, none of those books were written to disprove the Trinity. It wasn't even a doctrine. It was 300 years from there, at least 250 years from this, that there was a doctrine of the Trinity. They were writing them to Jews who believed in one God and they were proving that Jesus was, in fact, the Messiah, the Son of God. And when people will say, oh, well, what about this verse and what about this verse? They were not writing with the mindset that I'm going to convince you that there's not two gods or there's not three gods or there's not six gods. They were writing to believers that were Jewish in the early church. They were not Gentiles at first. And the Jews would have been the only ones to have known about all these references that John mentioned. But they were saying, guess what? Jesus is God manifest in the flesh. I'm glad I know him, don't you? Let's thank the Lord for his word. Lord, I love you. I thank you for your many blessings. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for the Holy Ghost, the water of life. Thank you, Lord, for what you've given us. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. What a privilege it is to know you, Lord, and the fullness of the Godhead dwells in you. Oh.